Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week we're reviewing season two, episode four, Dead Weight. Plunk. That's supposed <laughs> to be the sound of dead weight. Um, probably not oh, okay. very accurate. Yeah, I thought it was a boxing weight class. Is it not dead, dead weight? I don't know. I thought it you meant because there was, someone was dead. I didn't even get the, the boxing <laughs> reference. Oh, I'm kidding. I don't actually think it's a boxing weight class. I thought it was oh, okay. sort I was of like, a, wow. a mashup of dead weight and boxing weight class. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, <laughs> so what did you think of this episode overall? Um, I wouldn't say it's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I've always been confused by it. and Like, I really had to pay attention on this rewatch to actually figure out what was going on, whereas normally I just ignore it if I can't figure it out. <laughs> um and it's okay like i think that the the last scene is funny but there's not a lot of sexual tension and yeah Yeah. i really actually i enjoy this episode like i like i don't know apparently i like any episodes that take place in tents like striped tents um so i don't i enjoyed it and i like the the scenic railway and i don't know just kind of i like this episode yeah it's cute it's cute. We also, I feel like we also get a lot of character development for Hugh, which I really like. That's um, true. Yeah. Plus, we get That's to see true. him out of that constable's uniform, which no complaints here. So, <laughs> Genevieve, shocking, shocking. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to give any. No. Spo- yeah, no, I don't want to give any spoilers about my best outfit of the week. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To be fair, all uh, the other boxers, we well, not all of them, but the other boxers at the gym are shirtless, and he was not, so. I, I was wondering why he didn't go shirtless. Because he's, like, you know, still, I think, kind of on the job, so. Gotta keep some level of respectability. I guess so. Well, so the cold open of this episode is nighttime in a boxing ring, and a man busts through a painted, like, sort of ad for a boxer, um, and sort of lies lifeless while a white powder is dusted on him. Looks like he's been stabbed. And then there's a close-up of the knife dripping blood. (laughs) Very, like, graphically. (laughs) Um, and I was, like, thinking, I... I'm not sure the knife would be dripping that much blood, like, from the tip to the hilt. It was just covered in blood, and, I mean, it looked like he was stabbed through his clothing, so you'd think it would kind of... I assume it would clean the knife off on the way out. Also, the knife was so long, like, how would you get that all the way in like that? I don't know. You know what I mean? mean? To get it all covered? Mrs. Big Arthur was a pretty big lady who seemed pretty strong, so I don't know. Yeah, but it was like, I would say it was thicker than the width of his body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Um, My guess would be dramatic emphasis, but what do I know? Might be realistic. Yeah. (laughs) Once again, we haven't committed any murders or violent crimes of any kind. That I know of, at least for you. Um, So. Yeah, I'll uh, keep that off the air now. My only other note on the cold open is that I'd really love to have one of these muscle man style portraits of myself painted to just like hang in my living room. (laughs) You know? (laughs) What would your your boxing name be? Oh my gosh. Oof, what would it be? Uh, Let me get back to you on that one. This requires careful consideration. I'm thinking Mackenzie the Mad Woman, but you know. Mackenzie the Mad Woman. Wait, I did actually think of a really funny one last night. Um, and I was like, if I was, uh, if I did roller derby, that would be my <laughs> roller derby name. Oh, it was the Archbishop, which actually is really <laughs> stupid and would make a terrible name. I love it. Like I the, love it, though. Like the Archbishop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, I mean, that would work better if you, like, had had a former career as a member of the clergy, but, you know. Yeah. Still yeah. <laughs> um... Well, so then next up, we cut over to Shay Fisher, where Dot is tending to a cut on Hugh's face and scolding him for getting caught up in a gang scuffle. Um, and Hugh mentions that he's involved in a boxing gym to get these youths off the street. Um, and then Miss Fisher swans in and reveals that the ruffians stabbed a policeman last week, uh, which it seems like Hugh's trying to hide this fact from Jack. From Jack. Um, but he's saved by the bell because then Jack calls to, um, get Hugh to come over to the scene of a murder on the shore. It's a murder! (laughs) It's always a murder. It's always murder, folks. 
Um, at the scene of the crime, the victim is ID'd as Kevin Bradley, leader of the Woolpackers gang, or if you uh, are reading my notes app, the Woodpeckers gang. <laughs> um, thank you, autocorrect. Um, I imagine them all having a tattoo of a woodpecker on their, like, bicep. <laughs> oh my god, that would be fantastic. Um... I mean, it makes about as much sense as wool packers. What does that even mean? I assume it means they work in wool packing. But one of them's a baker. And what is yeah, wool so packing? That theory, that theory doesn't hold up. I imagined um, just, you know, like wool, like raw wool, freshly sheared off a sheep, just being packed into crates. As, well, as, <laughs> what a job. What, I, what a job. Yeah. I'm not sure why that would be a job, but that's what I imagined. <laughs> It's a calling, you know? It's not for everyone. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> um, so, uh, Hugh says he knows the guy, Kevin Bradley, um, and he wasn't at yesterday's little rumble, um, and he thinks that it could be police retaliation um, for the stabbing of this other this police officer by the gangs. Uh, and then Jack orders him not to investigate it, which is kind of shitty. Like, I'm not sure why... I'm never 100% clear on why Jack doesn't want to investigate the police. I know, especially given that, what, two episodes ago, like, there was obviously a lot of police corruption going on, and the commissioner was lying to him. Like, what? Yeah. It seems like they should investigate the police. Come on, Jack. This, there was, like, also another episode where it was the cop in this season, right? The circus episode? Or yeah! That was, yeah, well, season very... one, but... Yeah, the one... With, where, uh, where, yeah, Undercover Friday at the circus. Was it that Baxter? That was a crooked cop. It was a guy named Baxter? No, that anyway. was last week. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> he was um, incompetent, but I don't think technically crooked. Yeah. Ultimately not. Um, I do think this is some of the best theorizing we've seen from Hugh in quite a while. You know? Mm-hmm. This is, this is competent Hugh. He was in his element all episode. That's what I mean. That's why I like this episode, because I feel like Hugh doesn't always get his, his due. He's sort of like the comic relief a lot of the time, but he's, you know, he's a good cop, and he's a smart guy, so. Yeah, there's much less bumbling this week. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, we, next up, are introduced to Mr. and Mrs. Bank Arthur, Portrait of Marital Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, if you were married to someone who's called Big Arthur, would you go by Mrs. Big Arthur? I certainly would not. However, it does make my note-taking job easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Big Arthur insist they've never seen Kevin Bradley before. Um, and then they inform us that the fighter Yorgos the Greek found him. Uh, they blame the, the gangs, and it, all of it seems pretty suspicious. <laughs> Yorgos. Um, um, oh, no. Oh, they do say that um, they didn't recognize the dead man, but and that he didn't ever fight in the tent, even though challengers do come in to fight their regular boxers. So there is sort of this arrangement that is important later where people can challenge the boxers in the troop. But they yeah. claim that Kevin wasn't even one of those challengers. So Yeah, they've never seen him. Um, and then Miss Fisher steps out to get a little more info from Mrs. Big Arthur, who incidentally uses eucalyptus washing powder. What a great idea. Thanks for the tip, Mrs. B.A. What a very specific piece of information to learn this early on in the episode. <laughs> I wonder if it will have some bearing on the crime later on. It's interesting that you posit that it might be a clue. We'll have to see how that plays out. <laughs> Look, look, I've watched a lot of murder mysteries, and if there's specific information garnered this early in the episode, it is always a clue. Always. Man, if I was a director, I'd be like, let's throw them off their game, escape room style, and just sprinkle around some extra information <laughs> that's not related. Like, guess what else? She uses tea tree oil in her hair. <laughs> Turns out, unrelated. Oh my goodness, what if there's a Miss Fisher-themed escape room? Oh gosh, that'd be great. I mean, so basically just like 1920s. Yeah. We should start one. Yes. Where, like, Miss um, Fisher is on a screen giving you clues. Like, if you need a clue, it comes from Miss Fisher. And there could be different scenarios, like, escape from the steam room. Or, um, uh, <laughs> what else is she well, escaped from? I mean, I've done a circus-themed escape room, so that would be very, like, on point. Oh, I meant, like, actual scenarios that Miss Fisher did, in fact, escape. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Escape um, from the Egypt-obsessed serial kidnapper now that would be a good escape room yeah um escape from the creepy abortionist with really rusty tools that'd be more dot but yeah yeah well there could be a couple of dot and hugh maybe side rooms 
There could even there could even be a Mr. Butler room, you know? Oh yeah. Escape from the biscuits that didn't rise properly. You know, that kind of thing. That's like my life every time I try to make bread, so <laughs> if I need to pay for that experience. Oh my god. Yeah, bread's a tricky beast. <laughs> um yeah, also we find out in this scene that Mrs. Big Arthur thinks the cops did it and she has very little sympathy for the murder victim. Um, and she also seems to have known the dead boy that was left the hospital after the brawl. But she doesn't exactly say it, but she seems to know about... So, that, like, after the fight between the gangs, someone was left at a hospital. And she pretends... She, like, mentions it, but then it's just like, oh, like, skirts around the fact that she... Whether she knows him or not. So, that is right. also important to the crime. Indeed, very important. Um, and then, uh, for some reason... Jack is, like, carrying a handful of seashells, which Miss Fisher steals from them and use, uses them as a, an aid to explain a very simple scenario, which is that, like, she thinks the cops did it. <laughs> oh, not sure why she needs seashells for that. Um, maybe they're just trying to get into that the seashell setting, or the, the seashore setting theme. I don't know. No, I think it was a really important part of the investigation, and they would yeah. not have arrived at this conclusion. But yeah, so basically... Jack says that the boy who was left at the hospital was a portsider, so, and he was covered in the same flower that everyone else was covered in, or was he? Um, <laughs> so, who's, you know, who's killing who for what? And as usual. Basically the, basically the theme of this show, who's killing who for what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as usual, it's not the people that it, it should obviously be, or who that who we thought it was originally. No, in fact, it'd be a pretty boring episode if it's like, oh yeah, this was just gangs killing each other. Yeah, kind of story. it would be boring. You know what, you think though that with this this track record that she has of like, oh, it's always the person you don't expect, um, you'd think she would start, first of all, with just sort of rejecting the obvious suspects and immediately investigating the people she doesn't expect. You know, that would be a strategy for solving crimes quicker in the Miss Fisher universe. Yeah, but sometimes it is the people that you expect, so. When is it the people you expect? That's a good question. I mean, I think in I'm the pilot, to... it, the pilot, it was kind of predictable that it was the guy's wife, Lydia. Yeah, I mean, what? Someone's murdered, you always go to the spouse. Like, the first suspect is the spouse, so. <laughs> Woof. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of another one where it is the person you expect. Except for the, mean, the season finale of season one where you're like, oh, brain hook. Seems like a job for uh, Murdoch Foyle. Yeah, and Miss Fisher kind of knows it's him all along, so there isn't, like, a whole lot of mystery there. True, true. <laughs> Anyways, in this case, it is not just gang warfare, so... So then, Miss Fisher and Dot show up at Hugh's boxing gym to do some leering and investigating. Uh, but Hugh is beside himself over their delicate feminine sensibilities. Uh, He's like, Dot! Dotty, what are you doing here? Dotty, put on this towel! Goodness! Um, and he's boxing Tom Derrymutt, who's a wool packer. Um, and then this other dude, Freckles, rushes in and accuses Tom of killing Kevin, our murder victim, since they were seen fighting the night before. Um, Tom's supposed to be out of the gang. He denies the murder, but he arrests him anyway. And this is also where we learn that Freckles is a baker's apprentice, which seems a little out of character, given his, like, just generally aggressive nature. But, hey, you know? Yeah. And... We never learn why his nickname is Freckles, um, which sounds like a birthday clown or maybe like a, an old woman's poodle. Like, he also he doesn't, isn't very freckly. He doesn't have any freckles. And you know what? I went and I looked at his IMDb so I could get a closer look at his face, and that man does not have freckles. He is, however, very good looking. Oh, he is. Yeah. I love his all his little bad boy get-ups, like his little pats <laughs> and stuff. Oof, I like this guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm, like, probably a jerk, but, like, very attractive. Yeah. Oof, why can't the love interests ever be that good looking? I know, and I thought, well, he's he's a little young, even for Miss Fisher, but... Yeah, a little, a little bit. I mean, Yorgos... if he'd been a little bit older, it would have been a more interesting love interest than the Greek boxer. Yeah, I mean, he was hot, but... <laughs> yeah, but he was just so goofy. Hot. Yeah, he was pretty goofy. It was really funny, as I was, like, finishing, um prepping i was watching in the living room and rob came in and it was the scene at the end where he's in miss fisher's bedroom and is like just doing like posing in front of the mirror just kind of like looks at it like what are you watching miss fisher obviously it's like well you know 
this is all for contrast to Jack, who is not anything like this. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's important. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so then next up, Jack uh, and Hugh are interrogating Tom. And Oh, Jack... wait, wait. We missed a really important part of the scene where Dot, like, challenges Freckles and says, Hugh Collins is worth ten of you. Oh, which right. Which is really yeah. adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of cheesy, but it's it's cute, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's a little cheesy, but it's also, like, I love whenever Dot kind of, like, asserts herself. And it's like... <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so then next up, we go to City South, where Jack is, like, playing bad cop, which I, it's not, like, really my favorite look for the show. Like, I'm not really familiar with the racial politics of Australia, but I don't like to see a cop, like, rudely bullying a person of color. It's, like, a little bit, it's a little cringy. Yeah, it is. But I also think, like, Jack is trying to compensate for the fact that Hugh is friends with Tom, so. Yeah, maybe. I don't think it's necessarily, like, racially motivated. I think it's, like, he knows that Hugh is friends with this guy and is going to defend him, and so he feels like he has to, like, overcompensate. And also, like, Jack doesn't want it to be the police, so I think he's, like, really trying hard to find another, like, angle on it. I don't know. Not that it makes it okay, but. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably would, like, you know, regardless of the character, he doesn't usually interrogate people like this. But I yeah. think that the show, like, maybe didn't think about the optics of it thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. Although I did appreciate this show, or this episode, has kind of, like, I don't know, we don't get that many people of color in this show, but in this episode we do, and they're pretty main, pivotal characters, so. That's true, and it's kind of the only time, um... Well, the Jazz Club episode. That's true. Yeah, the Jazz Club. That's true. And then, yeah, that might be it. Anyway, um... What we find out in this interrogation is that Tom allegedly threw one punch and then walked away from the fight, but he won't say who he was with, and he reiterate, he reiterates that he left the Portsider gang after last week's fight, and he again accuses the cops of having committed the murder. And then they release him. Yep, that's it. <laughs> um, so then back at the house, uh, Hugh and Dot again are having a little interlude, um, and she insists that she is tough enough to hear about the dangers of Hugh's job, and so he grudgingly tells her the details of the policeman's death, um, which I found very confusing. <laughs> um, um, so the wool packers were heckling the salvos, which I believe is, he's somehow referring to the cops. Um, and then the portsiders arrive and Tom was just trying to break up the fight, but he got dragged in. The cop chased mm-hmm. someone down an alley and he never came back out. Also, we find out he has four kids that he's leaving behind. And then we also learned that Hugh's dad was a cop and killed in the line of duty. Yes, true. And it's very touching because i don't think hugh and dot have really talked about that before yeah well i think that the scene where he actually relates exactly what happened is later on yeah it is right i also think i love again where dot like lists all the dangerous things that she's done while working for miss fisher and she's like my whole job is a worry hugh like come <laughs> when will you stop being so overly protective like i work for someone who's like you know always doing dangerous things and pushing the boundaries you don't have to you don't have to shield me from shirtless boxers (laughs) yeah i don't think dot uh, minded that but yeah i don't think she did either she tried to pretend that she minded but yeah but (laughs) Um, the second episode in the row where she gets to see hugh out of that constable's uniform so i don't think she's complaining nope she she was watching happily in the last episode so with Um, ice cream yeah but then in the next scene, we find out that she is not brave enough to ride the scenic, the Great Scenic Railway back at the, sea sh- the seashore. But Miss Fisher sends her off to interview the hawkers uh, around the boxing ring. And uh, Miss Fisher goes off to, like, find the murder weapon and do some eavesdropping. And this is sort of like, the scene is kind of like a lots of suspects at the scene, sort of a round-robin situation, uh, which I, again, found confusing. <laughs> This is also where the Greek boxer notices her and gives her a look. Oh, man, there's, like, a comical double take. He's like, what's that? A lady? <laughs> oh! I love ladies. What a coincidence. <laughs> Although it seems like once he gets her in her bedroom, he really just loves himself, so. Mm-hmm. Classic fuckboy. <laughs> So then, um, what, what Miss Fisher overhears is Mrs. Big Arthur arguing with a woman who is threatening to go to the police about something. I'm not sure we ever find out what that is. Um, and then, um, um, oh, maybe just the, the, what's going on at the boxing ring, right? The betting and the, the throwing of fights. 
Well, no, because so Mrs. Big Arthur is talking to Cora, who's Tom's mom. Yeah. And they're fighting about keeping an eye on, I believe, the, the younger son who accidentally killed the police officer, we learn later. Yeah. Um, and then, well, no. Yeah, this is confusing. Yeah, and Cora definitely threatens to go to the police about something. I think about the, the illegal corruption. betting. It must yeah. be the illegal betting. And then yeah. Mrs. Big Arthur is like, yeah, well, okay, if you do that, you won't get your extra earnings, which is really about Tom boxing as a challenger. And get, I, it's very confusing, but. Yes. Um, and then Yorgos comes over to Miss Fisher and gives her some free tickets <laughs> to the show. Uh, all of which is witnessed by Jack, um, and she sort of rushes away to speak to the arguing woman, Cora. And then we also briefly find out that Mr. Big Arthur never owned a knife like the murder weapon, or not since the war. Well, yeah, so so Miss Fisher, while she's overhearing this conversation, also sees the bloody knife like thrown up on top of the tent. Right, yes. That's important. So and then the boxer comes and like lifts her down from her little perch where she's been eavesdropping and, and spying clues. Oh, I uh, forgot about that. You can't just grab someone and lift them down. <laughs> yeah, but then he gave her a ticket to the show, so it was all fine. It was transactional. <laughs> I guess so. I just don't think that in real life she would be happy to be grabbed around the middle and lifted. By a stranger. Oh, if, if someone did that to me, I would, like, just instinctively, like, punch and kick as hard as possible, and that guy would be really sorry. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean, the dude is huge, so I doubt there's much damage that she could do to him, but, you know. Oh, no, it wouldn't be, like, strategic. I would just be like, what are you doing? And, like, start flailing. Which, oh, Miss yeah. Fisher, of course, doesn't. She just starts flirting. I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, she's like. Maybe I could be better about that. Hello, must be your ghost the Greek. I see you're very strong. Would you like to come to my bedroom? <laughs> uh, and then when Jack arrives, they, they again have one of those moments where they're like really, really close. And he is definitely thinking, yeah, I saw that guy pick you up. And I, uh, I don't know. Literally, he literally picked her up. And figuratively, uh, he picked her up. Yes. <laughs> so... And I don't think Jack liked either one. I don't think so. And then Friday, like, tells him about where to look for the murder weapon and then just, like, runs off. <laughs> um, and then she does some more eavesdropping where she sees um, Cora arguing with her son, Tom. Um, it sounds like he's in for another month in the ring. Um, and they're being blackmailed by the Woolpackers over someone named Dan. <laughs> I have written in my notes, so confusing, very unclear what is going on here. But we do find out later, I guess. Yeah, I have what is going on, three question marks. <laughs> um, um, and then, oh, we also learned that the murder weapon is a bayonet, which is right, important later. Right. Um, and then Miss Fisher, like, immediately thinks she's going to be able to just get the truth out of Cora <laughs> and is, like, goes over and talks to her. And I, I don't understand why this woman tells her anything, but um, we find out that her first husband died in the war um, and she remarried, and then welfare took away her younger son. Uh, and she seems to be... There's something fishy going on here. Like, she's sort of surprised when Miss Fisher mentions her son and then indicates that she means Tom, so... Yeah. So it's, like, she obviously has another son. Yeah, yeah. Named Danny. Right. Um, don't learn, I don't think we learn in this scene that his name is Dan. Well, we do So when Tom and Cora are talking, they say, um... They say Dan. Yeah, they say but, that, like, Freckles has taken over for Bradley and wants to be paid, or he'll talk about Danny. Yeah, but we don't know who that is at that point. True. Yes, we don't. Yeah. But again, um, we are given information <laughs> that is not pointless. True, so. true. Um... So then we go back to the gym where there's a tense boxing scene. Um, like, because this is, of course, the only way that men can talk about their feelings together. They're sort of sweaty and punching each other. Maybe half-dressed. I have in my notes, hmm. <laughs> yes, well, so there's manly disclosing of feelings going on. Miss um, Fisher arrives and... Uh, Tom reveals that he thinks Freckles killed Bradley for control of the game. Um, and also, he has been boxing for Mr. Big Arthur, which is no place for an amateur, mate. He was very upset. And then <laughs> Tom is very upset, and he storms off. And that's men talking about their feelings. Good work. Good work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's done. That's how it's done. Um, so then back at the house, there's a very sad interlude where we learn that Hugh's father was killed while trying to break up a fight. Yes. Um, I, I'll note in this scene that Dot is wearing a really, actually really, like, surprisingly cute outfit. It's a little drab, but it's still, like, 
it's different than her normal look. Yeah, I have also noted Dot is wearing the dress I like, which is the one where yeah. the, wa- the waistline is concealed by her apron, but it's the one that has, like, little, the, the pattern of little mountains at the, the waistline. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. noticed the neckline is nice. It's a little lower, and then there's sort of, like, some pretty like beaded panel. work. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice. I don't know if it's beading, but, like, the yeah, the front panel is really nice, and the neckline is less, like, ugly lace collar. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm a fan. <laughs> So many lace collars on Dot. <laughs> yeah. I'll also know there were some delicious looking biscuits. I don't know if I was hungry when I watched this or what, but those biscuits, I was like, I know there's a heartwarming scene going on. <laughs> I just want to eat one of those biscuits. I also saw the biscuits. I was like, are those are those prop biscuits or are they real? Because uh... <laughs> I hope they're real and everyone got to eat them after the after filming. Yes. So then next up is our weekly morgue scene, or in this, actually in this episode we get, we get to go to the morgue twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have in my notes that Jack and Franny are on a date at the morgue. Oh, yeah, that's another way of looking at it, for sure. Yeah, just crack open a bottle of wine, uh, <laughs> uh, just examine some bodies. I mean, they've previously said, we'll meet at the morgue, it's a date, so I don't know. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they don't, I don't think they really look at the body so much as dig through his clothes where Miss Fisher finds evidence that he was robbed. And then Jack produces a photo of the boy who was dumped at the hospital last week, also covered in flour, or we think it's flour. Um, Miss Fisher recognizes, yeah, (laughs) Miss Fisher recognizes him, but doesn't know why. Don't you hate it when that happens, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe they went to the same high school or something. (laughs) I have in my notes, the poster, Friny, the poster. This is the black belter. Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, come on. Yeah. Well, in this case, it serves the uh, narrative tension to just delay her realizing that for a little while. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, So then back at the seaside, uh, Miss Fisher challenges Jack to a ride on the scenic railway while eating ice cream suggestively. Or, well... At this point, she doesn't yet challenge him. She merely suggests that she would like to ride it. And she's trying to convince him to go with her. But yeah, she doesn't like create the bet yet. Yeah. This is the second episode in, in a row where we've seen her eating ice cream in a suggestive manner. That is true. Of course, she and does every, everything in a suggestive manner. So She's very, like, sexily eating that ice cream. And I'm yeah. sure Jack noticed both times. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, how many takes did that, was that, you know, was it always the same ice cream cone in each take, or did they, like, top it off? Did they have a fresh one? Was it really ice cream? I need to know. It must have been really ice cream. There's no way you could fake that. So, yeah, did someone at the show, like, have to be, like, have a constant supply of ice cream being provided for each take of the scene? I wonder if it was frozen yogurt. Maybe. (laughs) I wish that was my job, though. Ice cream girl on set? Yeah, I mean, I'd take it. Um, okay. Um, so then Freckles waltzes up and accuses her of being in his spot, which is so weird. Like, is that gazebo his hangout? And he's trying to, like, turf her out of it like she's a freshman and he's a senior. <laughs> that is kind of what, um, what he's acting like. Yeah. He's like, that's my spot. And it's like, it's a gazebo. Like, I, I think that's, like, public park. Like, anyone can go there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's a trap, so they haul him off. I love how Jack sort of, like, dramatically steps from beyond, behind the pillar of the gazebo. Would that really have been large enough to conceal him? I don't know. I know, and it's like, when it's just, like, a, a single lady, they're like, oh, get out of here! And then when it's, like, also a man, they're like, oh, no! But there's, like, maybe, six of them. <laughs> I think maybe they knew he was a cop, though. Yeah, I guess so. I feel that this scene is very, like, he's the leader of the pack, you know, that song? Because he's just, like, got his whole, like, gang of toughs and... Anyway. <laughs> also, I must reiterate how extremely dashing he looks in his tough boy getup. Oh, it's just, it's really working for him. It's a look. And I also would like to reiterate his complete lack of freckles. Not a freckle on this boy. No! He doesn't have any freckles! <laughs> I, it's like they googled, like humorous gang names or like humorous old-timey tough boy names <laughs> freckles delonte well, i mean it's probably from the book so and yeah so bradley doesn't or sorry freckles doesn't deny that bradley was unpredictable um and so yeah he he hasn't seen the knife before he says he's got an alibi he was like home with his mother or something right i don't uh, actually have that in my notes but yeah, yeah. That, I think that's right. <laughs> um i don't have very it, much for this scene 
Yeah. Oh, he also yeah. says that he thinks Tom killed Kevin because they were fighting the night that he died. Right, of course. The same old tale. Um, so then after he leaves, Miss Fisher suggests that they go and take a look at the body, at Bradley's body again, since they think maybe, you know, somebody, maybe somebody was after him. They could find some clues. Uh, and I'm wondering, so they go to the morgue. Is this our first instance of morgue, Mac? I think it might be. I think so, yeah. I think so. <clears throat> Lame. <laughs> uh-huh. So then um, Mac thinks that his brain shows signs of his being a boxer, like repeated hits to the head. And like, did people actually know that was a thing back then? I'm not sure that they knew that in 1928. I know. I was like, with all the research coming out now about like CTE for football players, I'm like, this seems like relatively new, but that's a little different, I guess, than boxing where you're like actually just being pummeled in the head all the time as a matter of course. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, when we were watching, when I was watching the scene, I remembered like reading that oftentimes in TV shows when they're showing a brain, it's like made of jello. (laughs) 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 Probably. So I was wondering if this was just like a jello mold situation. Probably. (laughs) It did look like, did not act. I I remember thinking, I don't think that's actually a brain and I really hope it's not because that would be (laughs) Yeah, I don't, it didn't, it wasn't very convincingly brain, I would say. So, anyways, they come to the conclusion that Big Arthur probably lied when he said he didn't know Kevin. Yes. Um, I have in my notes, duh. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely something fishy going on with the Big Arthurs. Yeah. And then, also, final note on this scene for me is, why did Miss Fisher wear white silk and fur to the morgue? My answer to that is, why not? Yep, you're right. She wears white fur and silk anywhere at any time. Yes, and for any reason. To return to your former point, this was probably a date. So yeah, well, because yeah, she says like they're like we'll meet up at the morgue to look at the body, and she's like, see you first thing. <laughs> I'll be wearing my furs. <laughs> the modern remake of this show would like the the modern spin on it would be like that this was actually a three way love interest, polyamorous detectives, and their their doctor friend. I mean, I'd be, I'd watch that. I would watch it, yes. <laughs> um, however, that was not what was going on in the 1920s. No. Or in Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, so. Well, it, you know, it was, that was what was going on with, uh, cousin What's-His-Face and his weird girlfriend and the maid. In... Yeah, like, in a weirder way, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, yep, yep. <laughs> she was, like, 16, not in a, like, oh, we're all consenting adults type of way, but in a, like, Slightly weird. She was a servant way. Yeah, in a he likes his meat tender sort of a way, as Cousin Guy himself would put it. (laughs) Gross. So then back at the Big Arthurs, Mr. Big Arthur reveals that Tom and Kevin both fought as challengers, but um, always a challenger against one of his troop, never against each other. Um, And Miss Fisher brings up that one troop member is missing, the Black Belter, a.k.a. Jimmy. Um, Big Arthur claims that this guy, uh, just disappeared. He up and left. But we can tell that Mrs. Big Arthur is obviously sensitive on this topic. Um, and then Jack asks about, asks her about him after Arthur leaves, but she, like, won't talk about it, so. Mm. Obviously something is going on, or it's just coincidence. Who knows? (laughs) Which could it be, based on previous experience? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then back at the house, Mr. B turns out to be some kind of secret boxing aficionado, uh, suggesting that betting is a big sideline at the Big Arthur's. So Miss Fisher sends out her fearless cabbies, uh, to investigate with a wad of cash. Um, and Mr. B pretends that he has silverware to polish and doesn't want to go, but he's got some secret tips. He gives him a tip to go, uh, to go all in on the, on the Greek, so... Must yeah. be a good boxer. Yeah, I like the, like, little Greek puns that get thrown in here, you know, or, like, <laughs> jokes, but it's yeah. a nice little, it's a nice little bit. I like it. <laughs> um, and also, Mr. Butler has so many ideas because he boxed back in his youth because, of course, he did. Yeah. What does AIF stand for? Is that Australian something A-I-F? forces? I don't know. Wait, where does that come in? Well, he says he boxed during his youth in the AIF, or, or not his youth, but like when he was in, in his AIF days. Oh, yeah, it must be some sort of military. Because I know Mr. Butler's in the military, so. See, this is the kind of detail that you get from reading the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> See, I did not have the subtitles on, so I just kind of missed that. I needed them because I was like, what are they saying? Wallpackers? Wallpackers? <laughs> I was like, all right, that's it. Subtitles. <laughs> 
So at the match, uh, Bert tells Miss Fisher that it appears Big Arthur puts a skinny kid up against a huge challenger, which prompts everyone to bet on the challenger, but he pays the challenger to throw the match. Um, and it's unclear how Bert knows this. Maybe just, he from just talking does. to people. He just does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in this case, the skinny kid advertised is Tom, as it turns out, but he's being called the Black Belter. Um, so there's also some funny business going on with some kind of little boy picking up change on the ground. I never quite understand what's happening there. Well, he's um, pickpocketing. Yeah, but then later when Dot is talking about it, I'm just like, what? <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that. So then Miss um, Fisher is like a professional at eavesdropping on uh, Cora Derrymutt's arguments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we find out again that Freckles is blackmailing her and she doesn't have the money. And again, he's threatening to tell about someone named Dan. Who could it be? Who could it be? <laughs> could it be the character that has been referenced multiple times but that we don't know his name? Oh, gosh, he might, he might be the murderer. <laughs> it's the murderer! You're, you're so right! Well, um, one of two, Fry one of two. Friday is also wearing a really fantastic outfit with, like, it's like a black embroidered jacket dress. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's like the one with the bird on it, I think, right? Mm -hmm. I love this. I love this yeah. jacket. Um, I think it's the one I read about um, Essie Davis saying it was her favorite costume from the it's, show. I mean, it's very elegant. It, it's beautiful. It's just, it's great. Oh, yeah. Um, so then this so next scene. I can see scene, why she likes it. Yeah, I would wear it. Oh, yeah. Um, so then in this next scene in the parlor, this is the one that I'm confused about. Because Dot explains that she saw the boy, number one, picking up spare change. And number two, lurking. I'm like, what? So what's suspicious about that? that well, he was working? pickpocketing. He well, wasn't she... picking up spares change. He's, like, actively stealing money from people. Yeah, well, we see him do that. But then all Dot says is that he she sees him, like, picking up spare change. And it's like, what was he supposed to do with the spare change? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just love the line, though. She's like, worse than that, I saw him lurking. Yeah, I'm like, where's the crime? <laughs> it's funny, though. Yeah. Um, she also saw him try to give money to Tom, who refused it, and I never will understand why he Tom refuses the money. Because he knew it was stolen. It was pickpocketed money, and he didn't want, you know, like, he wanted to get the money honestly by fighting. I guess so. I'm not sure it's a necessary sideline here to include that, but... Well, I think eh. it's to establish that Tom is, you know, like, honest and upstanding and not a murderer. Because he's, right. he's not, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Mac asked around at the hospital and discovered that the dead boy from the photo had been beaten to death and he was covered not in flour, in fact, but with washing powder that smelled of eucalyptus. It's a clue! <laughs> um, maybe they just thought it would kill the germs, you know? Eucalyptus. Help him, help him recover. Or maybe it was some sort of, like, new age vegan bakery and they were using eucalyptus flour, which... It's not a thing, but you never know. You never know. I mean, that could make a tasty scone. Eucalyptus scone. I mean, I'd probably try it. You know who I'd would definitely try it? Try it? A koala. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. And then, like, there's a part here where Max says that they, like, somebody obviously tried to cover up his injuries by powdering them. But, like, why would... Why would Mac or any other doctors think that that was the case? Like... Yes, somebody threw powder on him, but I don't think it was to try and hide his injuries. <laughs> well, I don't know if she meant there was some other method that was being used to hide the injuries. Yeah, I maybe. Don't know what that would be? I don't uh, know. Unclear. Washing powder yeah. would not have worked. <laughs> anyway, um, so then they go back to Big Arthur's, where Mrs. Big Arthur is irate about Jimmy's sign having been painted over. Her Jimmy, she says. Uh, so and then it's the Jack... poster of the Black Belter. Very important. Very yes. important, yes. Uh, so then Jack calls Mr. Big Arthur off, and um, there's, like, this funny little bit where Miss Fisher's talking to Yorgos, and he's like, yes, Mrs. Big Arthur is beautiful, but dangerous. Which is weird, because, like, she's sort of old and not really beautiful. <laughs> I mean, she's, like, she's five. She's, she's fine. Definitely dangerous. In the scene, she's like threatening Big Arthur with a hammer. Like I wouldn't mess with her. She's very tall. She yeah. She's much bigger than him. Yes. Um. And but yeah, the the Greek sort of uses this as a like come on to Miss Fisher, and it's like just like you. And I was like, they're really not similar in in any way, except they're like assertive women. But 
beyond that, they're not really the same. Yeah. It's a little, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's good character Miss- development. Like, this guy's obviously an idiot. Yeah, also, Miss Fisher, you know, like, plays right into it. It's like, I'm only dangerous in the wrong hands. <laughs> and then he's like, touches her cheek, and I'm like, this is just a, an interesting, like, venue for flirting, but okay. And then Jack is having none of that, and yells at Franny, like, hey, are you coming? We have a murder to investigate. Excuse me. Yeah. I was like, oh, two weeks ago, it was, get out of my, get out of my interrogation room. And now he's like, you better get over here. I see you flirting with the Greek. Yeah, he's really not putting up any resistance anymore to her being involved in the investigations. Which is great. I like it. It's great. And I love how the show, it's like a very slow burn to get to that point. Which is just, like, perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, So then at the station, Mr. Big Arthur reveals that Kevin Bradley was, in fact, boxing for him. And he was the challenger in the fight with Jimmy and just beat the shit out of him. So Mr. Big Arthur dropped Jimmy at the hospital, staging it to look like a gang fight with the washing powder and did not expect Jimmy to die. But sadly, he did. Yes. Also, here's a question. Why didn't they just use flour? Did they, like, not have any flour in their kitchen? Like, why the washing powder? I know exactly why that is, and the answer is that it makes more sense as a clue for the show. So that's why. (laughs) But they could have just actually, like, I have flour in my kitchen, and I live in the 21st century. Yeah, you know, I think think it would have been actually much more um, convincing if it had been sort of a case where the Big Arthurs were on sort of a health craze and the only flour they'd had available was like almond flour, you know, because it was, it was no carb and they could use it to make um, Kato cookies or some sort of caveman diet, whatever that is, um, paleo. And so they'd sprinkled this special flour, but the forensics team was like, this is low carb flour. This is not the same as that used by the gang members. So, you know. Yeah, no, that... <laughs> if this happened today, that would be the clue. You're right. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, they used the washing powder for some inexplicable reason. So, yeah. not actual flour. Yeah. Um. So then, still we're at the station, and he was doing some chalkboard diagramming. Uh, and this, I think, is a, a, a unique example of a time where extra information is offered that doesn't have any relevance to anything, which is that Hugh has nice handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, see, that's not part of the investigation, but it is true. It's true. Yes. Um, The autopsy results are back. Um, Why did they take so long? But the dead policeman was stabbed with the same serrated blade as the one that stabbed Kevin Bradley. Well, I think probably the autopsy report report for the police officer already existed, but, like, Jack had, like, put in a request for it to compare it to Kevin Bradley's. Right. The bureaucratic cogs had to turn. Well, he also, he also, like, adds a photo of the dead cop to the board, so it's sort of like, at this point, he has decided to look at that murderer in conjunction with all the others, and I don't know. Yes, true. Um, so they all examine the blade and find that it has a possum carved on it. <laughs> um, and this is where Miss Fisher bets Jack one ride on a roller coaster that the name of Tom's father, Wallet, means possum in Aboriginal. Yes. Um, and the blade, the bayonet itself is German. So they posit that it was, it was souvenired by an Australian soldier during the war. Yes. Um, so then Tom Derrymutt arrives for questioning at the station Um, But he takes one look at that possum knife and he escapes on a getaway bicycle. And he knows where he's going and follows in the car. (laughs) And I picture him sort of pedaling furiously on the bicycle while Hugh follows behind in the car sort of at 10 miles an hour. Sort of like, (laughs) it's Tom, Tom, give it up. And Tom's just like, you know, Wicked Witch of the West pedaling. Yeah, too bad we don't have that scene. Yeah, I was probably... It would be hilarious. Why don't they release the deleted scenes? You know? Oh, I would love that so much. Me too. Um, so anyway, he is going to the ring. Could it be an 11th hour showdown? Dun-dun! <laughs> yes, it could. So at the ring, we see Freckles volunteering a really huge dude as challenger to fight Tom. Yeah, um, he looks very surly and dangerous. Yeah, just like large and mustachioed. <laughs> Um, and Hugh confronts Tom, who I believe does not confirm or deny that he is the murderer, uh, and insists on being allowed to fight before Hugh arrests him. Yeah, he says he Uh, has to fight one more fight, which is like, okay, okay. It's very teenage boy of him, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he also is betting on himself. He's betting all his money on himself as his Mm -hmm. ticket out. And 
Then we see Freckles loading up the Challenger's glove with, like, lead, so we know it's not going to be pretty. Um, we also see that the little lurking boy is still lurking, and Hugh sees him. Yes. And he also uh. gives uh, Tom a bunch of advice for the fight, and he says that the Challenger has a lot of flab. Yeah, there's a lot of flab. Yes. <laughs> um, so, also, Mrs. Big Arthur is in a panic about this fight. She doesn't want a Jimmy do-over, and she tries to convince her husband to call it off. Again, Miss Fisher witnesses this secretly. And why Why is she in evening wear in this scene? She's going to I a boxing I match. I don't know. She's in full fur. She has this little, like, head dress, like, piece on with the, like, jewels. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Maybe because I it's mean, a date with the Greek. I, I'm not sure. Oh, well, yeah. It must be. It must be. But there's, like, no other women there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You might as well make a splash, right? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, this is, in this scene, she slips Yorgos her card. She just pulls it out of her dress. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge card, too. Like, what, does it have her fax number on it? Like, what is on that card? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, definitely larger than a standard business card. Her probably has her Twitter handle on it, like, at sassy lady detective. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, I also thought it was interesting that Tom publicly places a bet on himself. Like, are you allowed to bet on yourself in a fight? That just seemed weird. Unclear. Yeah, I'm not sure you are allowed to. <laughs> I, I thought he was doing it secretly, but... No, he, yes. like, in, on the, like... Yeah, he does, at the yeah. Beginning, he's like, and I'm betting it all on myself. And I was like, all right, that seems weird, but okay. Yeah. Um. So then Mr. Big Arthur comes over and tries to convince Jimmy to throw the fight revealing that he had in the past paid Jimmy's challengers to throw their fight. Mm -hmm. So he's his chances aren't as good as he thinks they are. But Jimmy refuses. Drama ensues. Ah! <laughs> Bert tells Franny about the weighted gloves that the challenger has. Yes. And uh, Hugh tries to pull Franny and Dot away from the fight, but Franny tells him about the gloves, and then the fight begins and it's too late! <laughs> um... But then Jimmy starts getting pummeled, and um, Hugh insists that it be called off. And it seems like it's going to be fine to call it off, but for some reason Hugh decides he's going to finish the fight for him instead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I think because the crowd is sort of rattling, and they're getting all worked up, because like, they put money on this fight, and uh, yeah. I guess so, but it still seemed unnecessary to me. <laughs> Well, yeah, but then we get, you know, a, a scene of Hugh boxing and stepping in for his friend. And That's true. It's important to the the purpose of Hugh character development. So um, we also, yeah. so during the fight, like, um, as the fight starts, Cora walks in and grabs the sketchy lurking boy from earlier. Mm, I missed that. I don't have that in my notes at all. Oh, yeah. So that sort of establishes that these two people are connected. Yes. There's also a little brief scene where the Big Arthurs are arguing over money and they drop a note, which Miss Fisher immediately retrieves, and it's missing a corner torn off, which obviously is a clue. Ah! It is. <laughs> um, she, she says it's for Jimmy's headstone. Yes. Um, Could it be from Kevin's jacket? Um, we also um, get a shot during this scene where Jack arrives and says to Miss Fisher, well, like, Hugh has, you know, stepped into the fight, and Jack arrives and's like, tell me this wasn't your idea. <laughs> but no, 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 this is Hugh's fight. It was, in fact, Hugh's idea. It's sort of like, it's like he went to a karaoke bar and he was like, oh, guys, don't make me sing. I mean, no, don't, I can't believe you're making, don't ask me. Okay, if you insist. And then gets up and does like, you know, fucking an Adele song. And he's just like, oh, I can't believe you guys made me sing. <laughs> That's exactly what he was doing this scene. Yeah, but at least he wins the fight. Yes, well, he tells the guy to drop the dead weight. Oh, maybe that's where the title comes from? Um, I, does he, I think he just tells him to get the weights out of his gloves, right? Well, does yeah. To... I think he calls it the dead weight. I don't does know. he? I don't know. That's what I have in my notes, but I don't know. It would make sense. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Tom and Freckles are about to get hauled off when the suspicious lurking child runs out saying he wants to confess. It's the mysterious Dan. Dan! Dan! <laughs> Um, wait, first, first, Hugh wins the fight. I said that. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, it's all I right. don't know what's wrong with me. Aha. For once, I'm on top of the details. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we find out that it was, in fact, uh, 
Dan, little Dan, who accidentally stabbed the cop, um, and he's run away from welfare, uh, so hence the blackmail. Um, then Miss Fisher matches the torn bill to the fragment found in Bradley's jacket, um, but it wasn't Dairy Mutt robbing him. Could it be a desperate mother? <gasps> yes, it could be. <laughs> so, back at the Big Arthur's, it's time for a tearful confession scene. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Big Arthur is, in fact, the one who killed Kevin Bradley, and she doesn't regret it. Yeah, she says, well, like, Jimmy was a son to her, so Franny, like, confronts her about killing Kevin, and Big Arthur is really surprised at this. Um, I don't know why, like, he knows Yeah, he doesn't seem to know. He doesn't um, seem to know that she did the murder, though. Yeah, but we get a flashback to Kevin threatening Cora, then Cora pulls the bayonet on him, and... Yeah, it all comes out. Big Arthur killed him and pushes Kevin through the poster from the cold open. Indeed. Um, so then in the final scene, um, Miss Fisher is hanging out and feeling sexually frustrated with Yorgos the Greek, who <laughs> is giving her some boxing tips, but nothing else. <laughs> and then Jack arrives to take her away on the Great Scenic Railway, which and is adorable. It's just so funny because uh, Mr. Butler like backs and says, the inspector is downstairs and she just like leaves out. She's like, tell him I'll be done right away. Like, done. <laughs> She just lets, like, Yorgos just lets himself out, presumably, I guess. I know, I was like, all right. And she, like, she comes downstairs fully dressed. Like, she's in her, her you know, like, lingerie. And then she, like, is fully dressed. So I don't know if during that period she, like, told Yorgos or she just let him keep doing, like, one-armed push-ups in the mirror, but. Oh, my God. Well, presumably she wouldn't want Jack to, like, arrive. Or, like, to, she wouldn't want Jack to see Yorgos leaving. I, well, I know, right? you know what? She probably wouldn't care, actually. Yeah, I mean, Jack has been privy to all of the flirting up to this point, so I don't think he'd be surprised, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is the end of the episode. Well, well, then we get them, well, Jack says that they won the bet, and they go on the scenic, oh, yeah. scenic railway. And yeah. my question from this scene is, who goes on a roller coaster with a coat with a boa collar? Like, when I go to an amusement park with roller coasters, I wear, like, a t-shirt and shorts. But Miss Fisher has the, like, her <laughs> collar, like, boa collar jacket on. So, maybe also, I'm wrong. she's wearing a dress, too. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, as my aunt would say, whatever blows your skirt up, but, like, not literally. <laughs> Um, as a child, I did go to an amusement park with a, a long jean skirt on because that was my life then. And yep. you know what? We went on some water rides and that skirt got really wet and it was just really annoying for the rest of the day. And I distinctly remember that now. I was probably like 10, so I bet it's it was not a good soggy. idea. Yeah. Oh, and it had layers. It was like a jean skirt with layers on it. Oh God. That sounds really uncomfortable. It was horrible. <laughs> Anyways, now I wear shorts to the amusement park because it makes way more sense. Definitely way more sense. Um, Ari, did you want to do your murder recap? I did. Um, so Mrs. Big Arthur, wife of boxing troop ringleader Big Arthur, has taken a fighter, Jimmy, under her wing as a wayward son. He goes up against a challenger from a local gang, Kevin Bradley, who kills him during the fight. Big Arthur wants to cover up the death so he doesn't get in trouble, so he dumps the body at the hospital, covering it in washing powder to mimic the flour used by Kevin Bradley's gang during fights because Kevin is a, an apprentice at a baker. Um... Kevin Bradley is part of the Woolpacker gang, who are in a feud with another local gang, the Portsiders. During a fight, one of the Portsiders, Tom, and his little brother Dan get caught up in the fray, and a policeman rushes in to break up the fight. Dan accidentally kills the policeman with his father's bayonet from the war. Dan is part of the Portsiders after running away from welfare. Once he was taken away from his mother, Cora, after, I don't know, after she remarried after the death of Tom's father. Kevin and Freckles, the leaders of the Woolpackers, see this happen. And Kevin starts blackmailing Cora to keep it quiet. Tom starts fighting at Big Arthur's um, to help make the payments to Kevin. First as a challenger, then as a replacement for Jimmy as the black belter. One night, Mrs. Big Arthur sees Kevin threatening Cora for more money. She sees what's going on, recognizes Kevin as the man who killed Jimmy. Cora pulls the bayonet on Kevin and then Mrs. Big Arthur rushes in, grabs it, and stabs Kevin. She sprinkles the washing powder on him to make it look like it was gang warfare so dan kills the constable kevin kills jimmy and mrs big arthur kills kevin right it's it's three murders i was kind of thinking of jimmy as a murder although it's sort of an accidental death i guess yeah but i think kevin was kind of a jerk so i think probably like if you were a responsible boxer you would stop at a certain point when you realize that you'd beat your opponent it seems like he didn't so i don't know 
seems a little bit like murder to me. Yeah, I guess you're right. I think you are 100% right there. <laughs> uh, all right, so what did you have as your worst outfit of the week? I had Yorgos the Greek's little robe. Oh, really? You didn't like his little robe? No, it was silly. He was just silly. He was a silly man. He was silly. Um, so I was not a big fan of the sheer white jacket with, like, black and white diamonds on it that she was wearing in the beginning of the episode. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I just, ugh, I don't, it's a, it had sheer sleeves, which yeah, I'm not I a don't, fan of. I think I've expressed my thoughts on the sheer sleeves of a different outfit <laughs> Miss Fisher wears. So. Yes. <laughs> um, what was your best outfit? Uh, the black embroidered, like, kimono dress. Oh, yes. Um, I thought about saying that, but I believe I have used it as a favorite in a previous yeah. episode. So I decided to go for a dark horse uh, and say silk boxer shorts. <laughs> oh, okay. You went with the silk boxer shorts. I Yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty good. But the question is, what did I like more? The clothing itself or the lack of clothing? My guess is the lack thereof, can't, but... Can't, can't confirm yeah, or I, deny. I could be wrong. <laughs> um... What did you have for murder method? Um, I gave it a five because I felt like Mrs. Big Arthur, you know, she's like sort of the unexpected suspect and she did it in a, you know, fit of motherly retribution. So I gave right. it a five. Yeah. I don't know why that I explains that. the five I gave rating, it a, but. Um, yeah, I I gave it a two. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Or sorry, a 2.5. Um, okay. The two was because I thought stabbing was kind of boring. The 0.5 was just a tiny bit of additional credit that I gave since both murders were committed with the same knife, but by different people. So I guess that's kind of a, a little bit of added mm-hmm. interest. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's and no knife, spider bite. No. Okay. Well, uh, if that is the standard, you are holding all the murders to. It is. Yes. Okay. It is. Yeah. Fair enough. That is one of the, the best murders, so. <laughs> um, what about best week? Uh, I did have Dot for best week. Yeah, she just really, she stands up to freckles. She's getting Hugh to trust her. She does some investigating. You know, it's a good week for Dot. I also had Dot. She uh, gets to see Hugh sh- almost shirtless. And win That's true. That's true, so. yeah. She's really well, having a good week. Yeah, she gets a little sex appeal from Hugh that I feel like isn't always there, so. She deserves it. Yeah, she's earned it. <laughs> Who did you have for worst week? Uh, Mrs. Big Arthur. Definitely. Just a rough, rough go of it. Yeah, for sure. Rough go of it for Mrs. Big Arthur. I'd like to give an honorable mention to the boy, Dan, who maybe is, like, gonna go to prison for accidentally stabbing the cop. Hard to say what's gonna happen to him there. Yeah, I don't know what sort of, like, juvenile prosecution was like in Australia in the 1920s, but definitely he's gonna have to live with that the rest of his life. He seemed like a good kid otherwise, so that'd probably be, you know, pretty pretty hard and by good kid i mean he ran away and is hanging around the gang so i don't know but and he was pickpocketing and and he did he did have a knife concealed in his pants so yeah he does seem like a petty criminal criminal um but But he's so young (laughs) he's so young exactly so who knows and he has a good you know older brother who cares about him so maybe he'll turn out all right yeah uh skill of the week i put betting I don't know. Betting. I, I had a hard time coming up with one. Betting or bedding? Because she actually kind of fails at the latter. Yeah, betting with a T. Betting. As in Tom. Yeah. I put um, possum identification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess like Aboriginal language meaning guessing. Yeah. It'd be more impressive if she just spoke that language since she speaks like Russian, French, right. Chinese, I don't know, Latvian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well... Not a whole lot to, to work with this week, but but listeners, if you saw a new skill that we missed, please let us know. Oh yeah, absolutely let us know. Um, what did you have for sexual tension? I had a six because we get, you know, some pretty, a couple faces close together. We get Jealous Jack and at the end they ride a roller coaster together, which when I was, a, you know, teenager going to amusement parks, I was always trying to ride the roller coaster with my crush. So that seems like a big win. Oh, man, I didn't even think of it that way. I gave it a three, and I want to be clear that that's a three out of ten, um, not three out of five Adam's apples. Oh, <laughs> right, we had a new rating scale. <laughs> yeah, but that was just a temporary rating scale. Yeah, I'm back yeah, to yeah. Three, out of, three out of ten. Because, um, like, I guess they were close together once, but it, it didn't really last, and then he wasn't as jealous as I wanted him to be of Yorgos. Um, but, <laughs> I think... I, yeah, I didn't consider the riding the roller coaster with your crush angle, which is, of course, a teen drama trope that I never managed to recreate in my life, but always wanted to. Oh, always. Every time there was a, you know, 
trip to the amusement park on the agenda. I was immediately trying to strategize how I could get on that roller coaster with my crush. And yeah, I'm not sure I ever succeeded in that, but whatever. It was a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I mean first of all, it seems impossible to pull off. And second of all, it's like, what what do you think is going to happen when, I mean, you, you can't really talk on the roller coaster very much, and you're probably going to scream and make weird faces. Like, is that romantic? You think you're going to kiss at the top? No, you'd bang your heads together. Yeah, and I scream, like, kind of probably really obnoxiously on roller coasters. Like, I really get into it. So, I mean, this summer I did finally drag Rob to an amusement park because he had never been on a roller coaster. What? Um, <laughs> but I don't know if he counts as my crush anymore. We've known each other for 10 years now, so I don't know if that counts. Unequivocally does not count. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say does not count. That's not a crush anymore 10 years later? No? You live together in the same house. Yeah. You're you're dating. All right. All right. right, Fine. In a serious, committed, long-term relationship, not a crush. Yeah, but we went on several roller coasters together, so I'm just saying. Did he buy you a cotton candy? No. He he doesn't, you know, tries to avoid sugar, so... All right. Well, listeners, I think that that wraps us up for season two, episode four. Next week, we will be reviewing season two, episode five, Murder a la Mode, the fashion episode. Featuring a character named Genevieve, which I'm obviously very excited about. Oh, yeah. You don't have to meet a Genevieve. Or as I like to call you, Genevieve. Genevieve. Well, she is French, so Genevieve. Indeed. Um, And as usual, listeners, if you are enjoying our podcast, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, We would really love that. And also get in touch with any questions, comments, concerns, you know, casserole recipes, whatever you want. Tweet at us. You can message us on Tumblr, Instagram. We're there. Yes. And thank you to everyone who has reached out. Um, It really, it really makes this whole thing way more enjoyable when you do. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It really brightens our day to hear from you guys. So thanks. All right. Till next week. Bye. Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. Let me say that again. Let's just start again. I don't know why I forgot what show you're... Okay.